You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Hello, everybody. Good evening on this Wednesday night, just three days before Christmas and four days before the Buffalo Bills travel to New England to take on the hated New England Patriots. I am Matt Perino, joined as always by Ryan Talbot. This is Shout a Buffalo football podcast. We are going to dive headfirst into this game this weekend. We're going to preview it. We're going to talk about it. Uh, We have a guest tonight. We're so excited to have Annie Ager. Uh, if you haven't followed her on social media, find her on Twitter, Instagram, wherever, uh, whatever platform you're on, you're going to want to check her out. She is hilarious, Ryan. I started, I came across her videos like during the pandemic. And as the course of the season uh, of this season has gone along every week, I find myself like waiting for it to drop. It's, it's really funny. We'll play a clip of it when she joins us at about 8 PM, but super funny stuff. Um, she's, she just has a fun take on on the week of football, uh, we'll get into talking about her career a little bit, uh, where she's at, uh, and, and uh, kind of uh, inspiration for for the videos that she puts out. Uh, whether you're celebrating at home or away uh, this weekend, during the holidays or any occasion, Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football or entertaining, or like I said, any occasion. What's up, Brian? Hey, not too much. Excited for tonight's show. Excited to have Annie on around eight, as you mentioned, and counting down the days until Christmas. Uh, the kids are getting excited. I'm getting excited for a little bit of a, a break and a little bit of a vacation from, you know, the, the teaching gig that I have. So uh, counting down the hours over here, Matt. Well, you know, I know Bill's fans are going to be counting down the hours here. And, you know, it was, you know, over the course of this week, you're going to be counting down the hours while also mindfully checking Twitter or wherever you get your news uh, about who lands on the COVID list as teams across the league really are dealing with, you know, this uptick in the virus uh, infection rate. And so many players, coaches, Robert Salah went on the uh, COVID list, I guess. Uh, he won't coach, uh, it appears, this weekend or at least right now, depending on you know how, how quickly it, it takes him to get back from it. But it's impacting everybody. And obviously the big news of the week 
Uh, on Tuesday, it was announced by the Bills that Cole Beasley had tested positive. It was reported that he was un- he's unvaccinated still. And so that means that opens a 10-day window where he is required to quarantine, whether or not he, what the symptoms are like or what's how, how the virus is affecting him because he's not vaccinated. It's that 10-day mandatory window. So he is going to miss the game on Sunday. Now, Josh Allen was asked about it today. Sean McDermott were asked about it today. And Josh Allen was like, listen, um, you know, he would have uh, missed the game uh, had he been vaccinated or or not uh, because he is showing some symptoms. Now, there, that's fair. There, there's some things that, you know, uh, I think that there's a chance that if you were vaccinated that, you know, you wouldn't be, you know, showing the same. Uh, there's a chance that you wouldn't have the same symptoms. Uh, but, you know, again, that's who knows what, how people, how this virus is affecting people. There's people that are vaccinated that end up in the hospital. John Feliciano, you put out a story about that. He tested positive for COVID on Sunday, ended up having to go to the emergency room. So this is the type of situation that it's affecting everybody in different ways. Bottom line, though, Cole Beasley will not be in the lineup on Sunday. Yeah, and, and it's a big loss for, for the Bills, even if you, you feel like he maybe is being fe- phased out a little bit. Uh, he led the team in, in targets last week against Carolina at eight targets. Uh, so you're losing a key contributor from the slot in this matchup. And regardless of what Josh Allen says and Cole Beasley says, we don't know what would have happened, like you said, symptom-wise, if he would have been able to come back in time. The Patriots are in kind of a similar boat with one of their main wide receivers, Kendrick Bourne, being placed on that reserve COVID list. Uh, but the, the Patriots and their media have reported he is vaccinated. So we, it's kind of a wait and see. Is he going to play? He's their uh, leading receiver. So in terms of uh, receiving yards, it's going to be interesting to watch. So to see how each team fares your, each day in terms of who's added to the list. Uh, the Bills had Quentin Morris today, a practice squad tight end added to the, the reserve COVID-19 list, whereas the Patriots did not have any new additions but it's going to play a factor, at least as of right now, uh, in the outcome possibly of Sunday's game. Yeah, you look over the course of Cole Beasley's career against New England um, with the Bills, and I, I, I'm going through it game by game. He had some good games uh, in year one in 2019 when he first uh, arrived in Buffalo. The last two years, though, uh, you know, really, you know, the production really and the target share pretty much down. Obviously we know Stefan Diggs had that big game against them last year. Uh, and obviously the weather conditions were what they were. We're going to talk about, you know, the weather outlook for Sunday as well, but I want to get into, you know, what it means with Cole Beasley out, what that means for the offense, because a number one, who's going to replace him in the slot and B where do you think the bills kind of look to replace that kind of, uh, you know, reliable target for Josh Allen. For me, Okay, so for first and foremost, you figure that Isaiah McKenzie is going to get slotted in in the slot. Um, there's a chance if Emmanuel Sanders can get back and is healthy. I'm not banking on that, though, if I'm a Bills fan or if I'm the Bills. Because you know a knee injury, when Sean McDermott said he was week to week, that that's, that began kind of last week after the, after the last game. So if he's going to get back to 100%, I think you want him as close to 100% before you bring him back. He's 34 years old. If he can get back, if he's ready to go, sure, throw him in the slot. He can do it there. But if not, you're probably looking at Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins was uh, made as one of the Bills protected practice squad players. But to me, I look directly in, in Isaiah McKenzie's, McKenzie's direction. I think he's a guy that you get involved in this game in multiple kind of ways. He showed what he can do given an opportunity in that Miami game last year. 
Yeah, two touchdowns in that Miami game, as you mentioned. You know, maybe he's still not going to play as much of a factor on special teams, but he can be an asset to you on offense. And even go back to last week's uh, Devin Singletary touchdown against the Carolina Panthers. A lot of the motion that was being used by Isaiah McKenzie pre-snap uh, froze some of those defenders, helped spring or help open up that lane for Singletary. So he does a lot of little things. But in terms of playing out of the slot, he's proved as of as of late last year, like you said, that he can be a contributor there. He has a little bit more burst than uh, Beasley at this point in the game, not as savvy of, of a route runner. There, there's, you know, give and take in both of those areas. But with Emmanuel Sanders being labeled as week to week, even though he returned to practice in a you know, limited capacity, it's hard to believe that the Bills would roll him out here in this game if they don't feel he's 100% because you want him healthy for the playoffs. You Or if there's a, a game late in the season where you truly need him in a must-win scenario, then maybe you roll him out. But you want your best players out there come playoff time. And while this game has major playoff implications, you don't want to rush a 34-year-old receiver out there. So Isaiah McKenzie, in terms of the, the actual role, yes, I think he's going to be the one taking that Cole Beasley role. But you have... Other guys that can step up, Gabriel Davis, who we've seen, Matt, over the last few weeks, be a touchdown machine uh, in the red zone. Someone that can get the yards after the catches we saw last week as well. Stefan Diggs will be a factor. And then you have Dawson Knox, who uh, in, in this last matchup against the Patriots had a really rough outing, but you're not talking about the wind gusts in this game. You're not going to worry about a lot of the things that maybe hampered him and, and hurt him in, in the last matchup. And I think he can be a, a key contributor as well on offense. Yeah, one of the things I have circled on, you know, my keys to the game are, you know, taking care of the football, of course. But part of that is, you know, helping out Josh Allen and, and not dropping the football. I mean, you mentioned Dawson Knox. The Bills had three drops the last time around. This has to be a game where, listen, I, I think that I see a lot of different scenarios that allow the Bills to kind of win this one, you know, in dom. I, I want to say in dominant fashion. I think that they have the talent on both sides of the ball to go in there and do that. Do they do the same things that the that the, the Indianapolis Colts do? No, and we're going to get into that game a little bit. But I think how they can stress you out, the way that, you know, certain players, I mean, Dawson Knox, when he's making plays and moving the chains, that's huge. They seem like they found a little bit of magic in the run game last week, a little bit of energy in that department. Devin Singletary running hard, you know, maybe without Deion Dawkins, potentially in John Feliciano, you know, that this offensive line, a couple of these guys whose strength, you know, is supposed to be in the run game really got themselves going a little bit. I know Spencer Brown had a really rough outing at left tackle. And I know somebody was asking about Dion, and, and I, I want to transition to that point there. But, you know, those are a couple, you know, key pieces to this game. Can you get a balanced running game? And I'm not talking 50-50 balance. I'm talking about one that, you know, you know, puts some the, the Patriots defense in different situations, you know, as you're trying to drive the football. If you're one-dimensional in this kind of game, it's really going to be tough to move the ball and to score, especially in the red zone. Dawson Knox, I think he's a, a big key with Cole Beasley out. He's got to take care of the football. But let's get into De- to Deion Dawkins. I guess to start off with, Ryan, we're sitting here Wednesday. The Bills had a walkthrough today. Deion Dawkins is one of eight players on the COVID list. You mentioned Quentin Morris went on today. Uh, we know the bout that he had last time around. Tyrell Dotson went on the COVID list, I think, midweek last week, and he's still not been activated you have to start to ask yourself the question, okay, if Deion Dawkins does come back, how many practices is he going to need to get back into the conditioning level that you need for a big-time game like this? There's probably going to be some weather. It's going to be really cold. I don't know. I, I wouldn't count on Deion Dawkins for this game on Sunday. 
And, and I think that's fair because you would hope to have seen him already be activated or have some kind of positive news where you feel like he's going to be a contributor, at least tomorrow, being out there as a full participant at practice. Uh, but we saw in the beginning of the year some of the struggles that he had after that bout with uh, COVID he had over the summer where he was hospitalized for four days. So it's not something that you can bank on. And that's that's kind of a, a little bit of a worry because we know, you know, on offense, the Patriots run the ball very well. But we also know that they have a, a pretty – uh, strong pass rush and, and some guys that can get home against the quarterback. And if you're talking Spencer Brown in another start at left tackle where he, you know, drew multiple holding penalties, you have Darrell Williams at right tackle. Uh, and then you have some, you know, guard play that might be a little bit questionable. Uh, but uh, Ike Butker is fine, but on the other side, whether it's Cody Ford or someone else, it's worrisome to say the least. So you are hoping to get Deion Dawkins back in this game that he'd be a hundred percent because if he's back, then, then you feel pretty good about the offensive line overall, but we don't know what his status is. We don't know how he's feeling, where he's at conditioning wise. And that's certainly a big concern for this game. Some people taking some issue or maybe, maybe not some people, maybe one person uh, with the, with the idea that the bills can win this game in dominant fashion. Listen, there's a recipe to beating this New England Patriots team. You know, that seven game win streak, it was real. I mean, they went in, they went in and took care of business. They, they were a team that, you know, uh, won the games they were supposed to win, but we saw what happened when they went up against another one of the premier teams in the AFC on Saturday night. The challenges that they're going to face at times when they're not getting pressure on the quarterback, which you can make an argument that they might be able to do that a little bit against the Bills. I'll, I'll listen to that. But the piece of this game to me that, makes me think the bills are are set up to have success is Mac Jones, where he is in the season, the amount of tape that Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier are going to be able to break down on him over the course of the week. I think he's going to be put in a very stressful situation. The key to this game, number one key tackling, right? We're going to be talking about it. Mm -hmm. I'm writing about it for the site tomorrow. Last game, the bills played three weeks ago against the Patriots, 17 missed tackles. You're not going to win any games when you're, when you're missing that many tackles. Knowing that, knowing the narrative that's out there, you know, jo- Jordan Poyer going on Pat McAfee show. And we were talking to him a little bit of today about, you know, that narrative being out there and the fact that the, it doesn't sit well in the locker room, that that soft narrative or that, you know, a, a defense that, you know, is is really bad against the run. This Bills team is a prideful group. They're going to want to flip the switch in that department. So I would expect population to the ball, which is a, a, a phrase that, Leslie Frazier used on Monday when I was talking to him about this and then, you know, executing in that part of the game and tackling. And, and, and that's a big piece of this thing. Missed tackles, the Indianapolis Colts on Saturday, Ryan, three in the Hmm. entire game tackles for a loss are absolutely huge in this game. I'm looking at Matt Milano. I'm looking at Jordan Poyer. I'm looking at Tremaine Edmonds, AJ Klein. Great comment here. I'm seeing he is going to be eligible to play in this game. And, you know, the Bills went to some four or three looks against the Patriots last time around. I could see them going in a similar direction this time around. Yeah, 100% agree. Listen, you're not going to have the wind gust 40 to 50 miles per hour. You're, you're not going to have Mac Jones only throw three times in this game. But you, you're going to still see a heavy dose of that Patriots run game. And if there is any silver lining from that first matchup, as bad as it was, the Bills have a lot of film in terms of the concepts, what the, the Patriots like to do from that game and from what, what they've done throughout the course of the regular season. So with that in mind, with the fact that the Bills are going to go in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, knowing that there's that narrative of them being poor tacklers, it wasn't just that first Patriots game. Leonard Fournette the following week pretty much said, yeah, we know we knew those guys were not very good tacklers, and we took advantage of it. So 
it's a big statement game for this defense, a big prove it game. Uh, get the New England Patriots into those situations. You stop the run on early downs, force Mac Jones into being a, a passer and, and see what you can do because in that matchup against the Colts, he had some very dangerous throws, uh, some that he got away with, some that he did not. And I think that an opportunistic defense like Buffalo's uh, would be waiting there for for some different passes and some different looks and opportunities if they come their way. Uh, I did a recent podcast spot, and the narrative in New England still is, what can he do, Mac Jones, that is, in the cold weather? It's been very limited. He didn't have to do anything against Buffalo. He was pretty good against Tennessee, but you were still talking mid to high thirties there. So this is going to be another cold game. How does he fare? Because it's not just a big narrative for now. It's a big narrative for his entire career because he's playing in new England. He's going to play a lot of cold weather games down the stretch in his NFL career, as long as he's there. So it's another testing ground for him, but it's also a big test for this defense to show that that first game was a fluke. A big piece of the Mac Jones puzzle that the Bills have to solve is putting him in uncomfortable situations so he does give them opportunities to take the ball away. And that's something that Jordan Poyer mentioned today is that, listen, you know, we're right there in the mix in the top five teams in the league in terms of taking the ball away. And, you know, third in the NFL in interceptions. The other issue, though, is that they're facing a team in New England who's second in the league in interceptions. Mm-hmm. And so they they do a good job. J.C. Jackson is one of the best ball hawks in the league. But I'm looking forward to that matchup, Ryan. I don't I don't think Stephon Diggs, you know, was probably too happy with the way that that first game went. We know how it went last year. I thought that there was opportunities. I thought that there was some some you go back and watch that first game. Just watch Stephon Diggs route running. And there was plenty of times where I felt like he was open in that game. This is a game without the weather elements that I feel like you're putting yourself in a, in a, in a situation with the better quarterback in Josh Allen to go out there and make plays against a defense. That's really, really good. But this is a, a, a really, really big game and, a, and an important game for the bills. This offense has to execute at a high level. I think that they have the pieces to do it even without Cole Beasley, because to your earlier point, it's been an up and down year for Beasley in terms of usage in the offense. And, you know, I think that the, um, the way that Dawson Knox has had a breakout this year uh, has impacted that a little bit. And, you know, Gabriel Davis is somebody that when they get down in the red area against one of the best red zone teams in the league in new England, I want Gabriel Davis in the field at all times. I, I, I don't think that you ever take him off the field, not only for what he can do as a pass catcher, but also what he can do in the run game as a blocker. Yeah, I love that thought. Uh, I love where you're going with that idea. But, you know, just a few more things on this Bills offense and what they can do. Go back to that first Patriots game. Josh Allen had Gabriel Davis open for a second touchdown and the ball sailed on him. He had they had multiple red zone opportunities where uh, he threw the back shoulder pass to Diggs and it was a little bit off the mark. The, the weather and the wind played a role in that. They were able to still march up and down the field. Uh, have some pretty good field position. So I think the Bills are going to have more opportunities where, they, where they're going to have a legitimate chance to uh, bank those touchdowns rather than settle for field goals or not have to worry about the weather being as big of a factor. But I want to see the Bills get a little bit creative in this game. You know, in the backfield, what are you going to do? I know Devin Singletary is your main back, but I, I watched that Minnesota game a few nights ago, Matt, and, and it was a great play call. They put Justin Jefferson in the backfield and the entire Bears defense were pretty much focused in on him. Three defenders followed him, and you had a wide-open player in the back of the end zone. Can the Bills do something like that with Diggs, where you use him as more of a decoy? Can you use Isaiah McKenzie with the motion, with the uh, with the jet sweeps or those little uh, pitch catches, so that way if they do bobble it or drop it, it's not a fumble, it's, it's an incomplete pass. 
do things to really spread out this defense, make them uh, feel like the Bills could go sideline to sideline. And then that's when Singletary can be dangerous too between the tackles and making guys miss. So I want to see the Bills really come out, throw the kitchen sink at this Patriots defense, try to tire them out a little bit, confuse them. Because you know on the other side of the ball, the Bills are going to do everything in, in their power to confuse Mac Jones in that offense. You got to get up early too, Ryan. Like we've seen what kind of pressure that puts on Mac Jones and like, listen, they got a lot of pieces, you know, Nelson Aguilar is banged up. Kendrick Bourne is in the COVID pro, uh, protocol right now. We'll see if he uh, makes it back for the, before the game. Those are good pieces. Hunter Henry is a really, really good piece, but when you have to throw to win or get back in a game, this offense becomes completely different. And I, I thought that Indianapolis you know, they really they made it known in the very first quarter that they were going to be a problem at the line of scrimmage and the physicality with the way that they were hitting, you know, the running backs. Obviously, you know, I think Darius Leonard had a, a tackle for a loss before he had the interception. And it's like you look at a guy like Tremaine Edmonds and say, OK, this is this is your spot. You know, he does so many things for this defense, but this is the kind of of game where you need your first round draft picks to step up and make big time plays. I mean, Darius Leonard in that game was a superstar. And I don't even think you need for four quarters Tremaine Edmonds to be a superstar, but you need him to make big time plays in this game. You get up early, you put that pressure that allows you to kind of run the ball a little bit more. Another thing I think that we're going to see in this game, Ryan, I thought the Colts used the jet sweep pretty well on Saturday night. I think you could see that from Isaiah McKenzie, you know, different types of looks in that department. I could see, I could see some trickeration, some old school Brian Dable going back and uh, you mentioned the kitchen sink, going deep into the playbook and coming up with some different interesting ideas to kind of throw things at them. And then more than anything, we talk about the little things against the Patriots. We were talking about it before we came on here, like, you know, winning the penalty uh, competition. You, if you commit more penalties than the Patriots in, 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 a, in a given game, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage and it's going to be an uphill climb to try to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. The bills are one of the most penalized teams in the NFL. There has to be a level of discipline in this game. And it starts with avoiding penalties, which they didn't do a good job of last week, but it was against an inferior opponent. And then it's a, the little things on special teams. I've noticed a trend for this Patriots team over the last month. Go back to the first time they played the bills. Remember the Nikhil Harry play where it bounced off of his helmet. He's not going to be back there returning kicks in this game, but that was an opportunity that the bills took advantage of. You get, you, you get a turnover, you get a touchdown, you know, you make them pay Gunnar Gunnar Olszewski in this last game against the Colts. He fumbled one on a, on a punt return, went out of bounds. The Colts didn't get it, but the, there's a lot of plays potentially to be made in this game. You know, not only on offense and defense, but on special teams as well. Oh, 100%. And um, you talk the kicking game, you know, you go back to the previous game, Tyler Bass had a kick into the wind late where he missed a field goal. Had, had it been normal conditions, that's a kick that he nails. And then at the end of the game, he could have kicked another short one to, to win it. So you feel more confident in in your kicking game. You feel confident that maybe you can uh, create a turnover or two with your special teams unit in terms of Gunnar Olszewski or anyone else that they throw back there that can you knock the ball loose, can you jar it loose, create those turnovers. Uh, So that's something certainly to watch in this matchup, but the penalties, Matt, you're right. In that last podcast that I did, this spot that I did, they said, you know, what is wrong with the Bills offense? Why aren't they uh, playing at as high of a level? 
as the previous year, and I said, it, you know, Josh Allen, he's taking what's underneath to him a lot, but it, it's the penalties that's killing this team first and foremost on both sides of the ball, but especially on offense. When you get a holding penalty and you're backed up to first and 20 or second and 20, uh, you can't expect Josh Allen to always convert it. He has the arm strength to try to fit that ball into those 20, 25 yard, uh, you know, route range, but it doesn't always work out that way. And we've seen so many drives stall out this year because of those bad penalties and because of the undisciplined play. So in a game where if you win this game, you are in the driver's seat. If you're the bills in the AFC East, it's so important that you do not shoot yourselves in the foot. Like you have done so many times already this year. Talking a lot about Mac Jones here and rightfully so. I, I I really think that he is my player to watch. If I had to pick one player in this game, I think that the game can be kind of tipped either way, depending on how he plays on Sunday. So very huge part of it. And uh, good news for the Bills is they're going to probably have a piece that they didn't have last time around in this game in Effie Obata, who seems like he's, you know, maybe starting to, a, he looks like he's healthy, and B, just starting to get comfortable with his role in this scheme now. I know he's back with Eric Washington again, but you know, obviously wasn't with him last year. Getting back up to speed on what they want him to do, and I feel like you know Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott, the confidence level in him, you know, it is growing, and now you're kind of seeing him, you know, maybe settle into more of a regular role. I mean, he's going to have to be. I think he's been their best edge pass rusher. You know, if, if you want to take the entire body of work, and I'm not talking about run defense. Greg Rousseau has been bought far and away their best run defender on the edge. But if you're talking about pure pass rusher and what he's able to do on the outside and inside, man, I think Effie Obata is a guy that could have a real impact in this game. Yeah, F.A. Obata, you know, two sacks and three plays in the, in the game against Carolina. Look, he was shot out of a cannon. Uh, versatility to play inside, outside, so the Bills can use him in, in creative ways in this matchup against the Patriots. He's an X factor. Starla Latulale being in being in this game where he wasn't in the first matchup. That's huge for the inside of this defense and that rushing attack in terms of stopping the Patriots' rushing attack. That is, and then you've, we've already mentioned AJ Klein as well as that third linebacker option. We know that. Uh, he attacks the ball very well in that role. There's, that's one of the things that he does best. So uh, it's really interesting to see how those three players that uh, weren't necessarily being able to be factors in that first matchup, what can they do on Sunday afternoon? I, th- I think that they could all play big roles in slowing down that New England Patriots offense. Uh, from hot to go pizza and appetizer, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs and subs to delicious salads and brownie trays. Tops has everything you need to feed the hungriest fan. Make sure you get the tops this weekend. Stock up. You know what? Let's talk a little bit about Devin Singletary. 22 carries this past game. Is that a realistic total for him week in, week out? And, and if it, I, I don't think it is. But what is the total you want to give your back so you're not so one-dimensional? I feel like they should stay with that one-back system, let them get into a rhythm. Is it that 12 to 15 range, man? Is it something more? Uh, Because if you can use Singletary, and he's effective, and he was very effective in in that Panthers game where the yards per average or yards per carry didn't look great, but he had so many runs where he was hit at the line and he kept the legs moving forward and it turned into a three-yard gain, a four-yard gain. Uh, somewhere he had a, a decent gain and then he kept it churning and, he, and that turned into a seven yard gain, this, that, and the other. What's that number that you're looking for in this game against the Patriots and going forward for the Bills to be more of a threat to run the ball? Yeah, I was talking about this uh, a couple of days ago about what the, oh yeah, I did a, um, a Twitter spaces and somebody asked about this. And I think what is the perfect situation because we saw what Devin Singletary can do when he's kind of featured in the offense. 
I like that idea. I like getting one back the majority of the carries because I think it allows them to get into more of a rhythm. Jonathan Taylor is so good. I mean, there's hmm. he's in a different kind of realm of running back, right? But one of the reasons I think, you know, some guys at the top are able to be as successful as they are is that they're constantly, you know, handed the ball. I mean, there's games I've watched with Derrick Henry over the years, Jonathan Taylor, where, you know, they might have five straight runs where they get, they gain a total of like seven or ten to 10 yards, but th- their teams don't stop handing them the ball. And I think just the up and down, the ebb and flow of it all for Singletary over the course of the season and really the last two seasons, it hasn't really served him well. And I think somebody asked in the, in, in the comments about Zach Moss and the fact that they got Zach Moss involved in this or in, in the game plan with the, against the Patriots a couple weeks ago. I don't foresee that happening this time around, Ryan. No, I agree with that completely. And listen, Zach Moss, there's things that he does well. I think he is their best uh, in, in terms of the running back position. They're, they're best staying back, protecting Josh Allen. But running the ball, he's really struggled this year, Matt. It has not been a great second season for Moss. Uh, you go back to, to the last game against the Patriots, first and goal from the six. They give him the handoff. It goes nowhere. And it was only one play in that series. But the drive pretty much stalled out shortly thereafter. Uh, you you need someone that can get a few positive yards if that's going to be get, be the game plan. And Moss, for as good as he is in pass protection, he just hasn't had the uh, impact in terms of running the ball that we've seen from Devin Singletary in a limited sample size, mind you. But the yard per carry average is there for him. Burita can still be used here and there, hit and miss as a receiving option, as that speed option. I think you just go with those two backs for the rest of the regular season. A Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. All right. So uh, we're going to transition to our guest is here. Annie Ager uh, in the house uh, from Bally Sports. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time here tonight. I wanted to get you on the show um, because I just, first of all, I want to tell you your, your videos are awesome. So tell our audience how you got into, you know, this specific kind of content stream, because, you know, I, I had uh, watched a, a podcast that you were on and, and you talked about, you know, maybe getting into traditional media and then kind of veering and how you have kind of arrived at this idea, because these videos, they, they go viral every week. People can't get oh, enough. Of them. Thank you. Yeah, it was really crazy how it all came about, because I worked in local news and everybody I'd spoken with who worked at the next level, ESPN, whatever big network they worked at, they all said the same thing. You have to start in local news, kind of work your way up and go that way. And nothing against it. I mean, I, that's exactly what I was doing. I was doing my due diligence in these smaller markets, trying to get up to the next level. And then when COVID hit, we didn't have any local sports to cover. And that was the majority. I covered a lot of high school football, high school basketball. Um, and when that all kind of shut down, I was completely didn't have, there was no next step because nobody had been through that before. So there wasn't anybody who could tell me what to do. So then I turned to social media because that's what we all were doing. TikTok had just started becoming a thing. Um, and I had a younger sister who's like, do not get on TikTok. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I did not know where the record button was. I will say that it was, it was a struggle at first. <laughs> so um, I got on TikTok and I, I just saw quickly how we didn't have this community around sports because nobody, like we were just hyping up um, spring games. We're just getting started in the big 10. That's what we cover too. So I was getting ready. You know, we were talking smack about spring games and what players look for. None of that was happening anymore. So um, I just, I don't know what it was one day. I just thought, you know what? We're missing this rivalry. And I thought of the big 10 because that's my territory. And I did a zoom call with the big 10 or what they, what they would be doing in a zoom call if they were trying to get football up and going again. 
and it was so fun. And it just reminded me how much we missed that in, you know, when, when we were prepping for this football season. So, um, yeah, it just kind of started that way. And then it, like you guys said, it just, it took off and it blew me away. I wasn't, I don't know what I, I was trying to reach a lot of people, but I didn't think it would really take off the way that it did and lead to a career that I have now. I'm so thankful it did, but it was just crazy to me how that all kind of just snowballed into what, what I have now. Yeah. You know, I was just going to ask you, what was, what was it like when that first one really exploded? What was your reaction? Uh, I'm not cool enough or hip enough to have TikTok, but I'm assuming it's kind of like Twitter and all these things where you get like tons of notifications that people were watching and sharing. So what was that like when that, when that first one really took off? Yeah. So, um, it went pretty big on TikTok, not as big as it did on Twitter, but it was pretty big on TikTok and it was cool to see because all these people, I did, I wasn't pushing it out. So all these people were pushing it out for me. And then somebody had actually put it on Twitter. Um, and she had tweeted out the video and then people were tagging me in the video. And that's when it really blew up. That's when like Kirk Herbstreit retweeted it and Desmond Howard. And, uh, I think Dan Orlovsky did too. And I, and I, I'm like, wow, this is really happening. Cause it, you know, Twitter was what I was comfortable with just with sports. We are, we're used to be on Twitter. So seeing it blow up there was absolutely crazy. And then when I figured out how TikTok works and now TikTok videos, you know, I'll have some videos. I, I think my, I have a 5 million view video. And so it just blows up on TikTok. And that's still super surreal to see because you'll scroll through and you'll see these 5 million view videos and you'll think, wow, like that's pretty, those, those people are cool. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, I have one of those. That's really crazy. So it's just as the whole, the whole thing is, is wild. And I just love that people keep um, being so receptive of it and they love it every week. So I'll keep doing it. <laughs> so I saw too, that you had your first segment on ESPN. Um, what was that like? Because obviously I think, you know, all of us getting into this business, I mean, that's always kind of like the pinnacle, right? And so it had to be, you know, really cool. I want to ask you about that experience, but also what's your Sundays like? Because Ryan and I always talk about this, like covering the bills. It's, it's great, but like, it's, I feel like it's a little bit easier than some of the national jobs because you have to have your eye on everything. So like how crazy are Sundays? <laughs> so to cover your first question, uh, ESPN was wild because um, that was probably the first big thing I I would been contemplating getting an agent and I didn't want to seem like I was too full of myself or anything, but I didn't know what to do. I mean, all these companies were coming at me saying, you know, we want to have you rep this brand and I didn't know what to do. So I just got an agent and ESPN had called me and she's like, absolutely. Like we're doing it. I'm like, well, yeah, we're doing it. It's ESPN. You know, <laughs> I do. I'd pay them <laughs> to let me do it. So then um, with AK, they flew a crew in. We shot this video within a day. Um, because they wanted it to run that Sunday. And it was so it was an unbelievable feeling. And every, I think the weirdest thing was, they were all on my time, like I was the talent. <laughs> and I just it was it was crazy, because I just had, you know, I was doing these videos on my phone, super, um, you know, entry level on TikTok. And now they have this big production around me. So that was, that was absolutely wild. And I'm so the best crew I've worked with, like, so appreciative of them, um, and everything that they did. And then so talking about Sundays, so it took me a little bit to figure out my process. Because obviously red zone is, I mean, I'm time watching Scott probably more than I talk to my own parents. So, um, <laughs> so I watch Scott every day or every, uh, every Sunday, but it's all like, uh, when I first started doing it, I just would take notes during the whole thing and then try and kind of filter through it. And it took a while. Now I kind of balance between I watch red zone. I'll, I'll, I know what teams I'm going to usually poke fun at when the first, you know, the first grouping of games is over. Cause you see which ones kind of stand out. It's a lot of just filtering through the games, figuring out what jokes I want to make. And then all day Monday morning I'm prepping and then I shoot the video. So it's process. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank now you. you, you mentioned poking fun at teams. Is there maybe one team that uh, is most receptive to these, to these, even though they know they're always going to be on the butt end of those jokes? <laughs> 
definitely the Lions fans. I I love Lions fans, and I'm from Detroit originally, so I think that maybe gives me a little bit more room to to poke fun at them. But they were the sweetest fan base. <laughs> Even though they're just miserable. I, d- I made fun of them this week, even though they had a huge win, right, against Cardinals. And somebody commented and they were like, great joke. I'm like, dude, you, you should be mad at me. I just made fun of your team for winning a game <laughs> and you're still liking the joke. So they're they're so receptive of it. They I think they like it a lot. And I think it's a lot of self-deprecating humor, which they do. They've been doing for the past however many years. Um, Bears fans are probably my favorite to make fun of. Um, but they're they're the probably the least receptive. So, <laughs> so it's a little, it's a fun give and take there. <laughs> It's, it's funny to see the reactions to it all. You know, people ask me all the time, like, I can never do what you do because I couldn't take the the negative comments. Do you feel like you, do you get a lot of them or do you, do you feel like it's kind of transitioned into so many people know you? I think it's sometimes, and I tell people this too, like there's so many people that I think are fans and like support my work mm-hmm. that they tend to kind of fight my battles for me at times, which exactly. I'm always so appreciative of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, just look on Twitter. I think, well, the tweet you tagged me today, I mean, so many people commenting positive things about it and you tend to to focus on those positive things. I couldn't even tell you the last negative comment I read for a while. It was my parents reading them. And then they tell me, did you see what this person said? I'm like, you guys like, please don't, first of all, don't comment. We have the same last name. That's just weird. Um, But I don't, you know, a lot of the time I don't even, I don't even see it unless it's a constructive, you know, comment where I'm like, okay, yeah, that's true. I probably shouldn't have made that joke or Maybe I should add this in or something like that. I tend to just kind of block them out. And if they if they're big comments where they're getting a lot of likes, like you said, people will step in. My followers will step in and say, "Dude, like, no, this is this is what's going on, or this is the joke, or something like that." So it's gotten to a point where it's so nice. I feel like I don't have to worry. And I said this at the start too. I want all my content to be clean. And I'm, there's certain things I'm not gonna, like. I'm not going to joke about player injuries. I'm not going to call somebody out for their decision. You know, I'm not going to do the jokes that are borderline. I'll be borderline with everything else. Like <laughs> I'll tell the bears to fire their coach several times, but I'm not going to do anything that people wouldn't agree with. So, um, so yeah, I'm thankful that my content's kind of along that line and it's family friendly. And, you know, if people want to say something bad about it, then I'm, I'm proud of what I do and hopefully other people are too. So. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, what about the wardrobe? You have to have like something for every <laughs> single team. What's, what's that like? like this? Yeah, uh, we saw, I saw you down the bill stuff, and uh, <laughs> I'm guessing the closet had to get like extended for all the different shirts and and jerseys and everything that you have to have for these. I have a I have a separate rack completely for all the jerseys and and shirts. There are certain jerseys I was holding off buying, like a Bears jersey, because I'm I'm a Packers fan. I know I'm sorry, guys. Um, I so I I like I wouldn't allow myself to buy a Bears jersey, and they I think. The NFL, um, the NFL has been great and they've reached out. NFL shop has reached out and sent me some stuff and they're like, okay, what teams don't you have? And I tell them, and every time I leave up the bears, even though I didn't have anything. So then when I moved to Chicago, I'm like, shoot, I finally have to probably get a bears Jersey. So, um, but yeah, I, it's, it's so fun, but a lot of people still comment too. And they're like, don't lose the logos. Like think, we think that makes it funny when there's a half tape logo kind of falling off, especially when it seems like the Jags or the Jets or something, it just fits their aesthetic. I feel like, so, <laughs> so I'll have the, I'll have the nice stuff for the nicer team. There you go. <laughs> So I feel like um, a lot of times, you know, when you're, you know, up on uh, your soapbox talking about something that you're really passionate about and then you finish it and say, uh, you know, thank you for coming to my TED talk. You can actually now say that. And you (laughs) did a TED talk. How awesome was that? And I mean, I watched it today, was blown away. And I want to say really just inspirational stuff, like sharing your story like that. And I think like, you know, 
for me, this, this semester getting, getting the teaching, getting back in the classroom on a college mm-hmm. campus, it's been awesome to like impact, you know, people. Right. And you're doing that. And that was like a really super cool. What was it like? Oh, thank you. That was crazy. Cause I'd watch Ted, you know, like in college, you know, we watched Ted talks. That was what we, that's what we took all this information from. So when they came forward and they wanted me to speak in Detroit, especially, um, I was blown away and I thought, okay, I'll have a couple months to prepare. I had a couple weeks. I think I had 10 days. So it was very <laughs> wow. overwhelming. It was very overwhelming. But like you said too, I was talking about something I was passionate about. I, you know, it was my story basically. So it just felt so good to get it out there. And a lot of the time people don't, really know, you know, they see the the whole COVID side of things like, oh, she had this idea during COVID and it was great and it took off. But I, what I talked about in my TED talk is that this idea came from looking at a situation that was really bad and kind of a really negative situation and looking at it from a positive way. And I do that through my family, my brother, it's a, oh, that's a whole other long story, but my brother has cerebral palsy. Um, and he runs these Ironman races with my dad. My dad pushes them through Ironman races. So they already, I mean, they think completely different because this, they're this positive energy in our, in our family. Um, my brother, you know, he struggles every day with feeding himself and getting up in the morning, but he's the most positive person you'll ever meet. So when people come to me and they say, well, how did you, how were you able to see COVID differently? I'm like, I didn't have a choice. This is how I grew up. You know, I look at, which I'm so thankful for. I try to look at negative situations and think about a positive way to put a spin on it. So it was great to be able to do that in my Ted talk and show people, Hey, I'm not just a lucky person that happened to have this idea. I worked for it based off of how I thought. And I really wanted to show people that because, you know, who knows what's going to happen down the road. There could be other negative times coming that we need to really add positive light to. So it was, it was a great experience. I, even if you can go to a Ted talk, oh my gosh, the people there are so positive. It's like, they're all high on sunshine. It's crazy. Like I, the the amount of people that I talk to that just, it just, you leave there and you're like, wow, how can I go help the world? It's just such a cool feeling. So it was, it was amazing. (laughs) That's awesome. And you were just mentioning family and my brother today, he was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to jump on your podcast. I'm a huge fan of Annie. I was like, well, I'll, I'll try to mention it and work that in. So there you go. Perfect. My brother, Great segue. Yeah. Great see, segue. Hi, right in Thank there. You. Um, so, you know, we're, we've been talking Bill's Pats here leading up to this. You saw the, the wind bowl, the first game, you even referenced <laughs> it in that last uh, video that you did. So any thoughts on this upcoming matchup? Obviously weather's going to be a lot different you know, do you usually make picks or predictions for games like that? And and if so, I would love to hear your thoughts on this matchup. Um, ooh, yeah, predictions are tough because I feel like every prediction I make, someone's going to find something wrong with it, no matter what. Um, <laughs> but I do, I do have an opinion on this game. I will say that I am. I love watching the bills. I love Josh Allen. I really do. I think the bills, the reason they had 15 wins last year, including playoffs was because they they did so well with one possession games, but now they're zero and five in one possession games this year, which is a bit, and I, this is going to be an, the, obviously the Pats game was the close one last time because Mac Jones only threw three passes, but this is going to be another one of those close games, I think. And it's going to be, it's going to come down to you if they can kind of close it out and, and keep and have the defense really win them over. But the offense is my struggle. And you got, I mean, you guys know this Emmanuel Sanders, we got Cole Beasley out now it's going to be, and you, not to bring up bad times, but the, you guys kind of got run into the ground last time with, with their running back. So um, I think it's going to come down to the Bills offense. I'm really excited to see what they do. Uh, I won't make a prediction because I, like I said, I feel like that's, you can kind of tell where I'm leaning. I'm, I'm excited to see what the Bills do. I will say that. All the, uh, you know, um, unvaccinated kids are not, not allowed in the stadium. So that rules out Cole Beasley for sure. So <laughs> I just throw that in there real quick. <laughs> Ooh, that was a good one. Um, so, so funny thing uh, after the game on Sunday, you know, looking ahead of the Patriots game, we started talking about in the press box, like, 
all right, like what happens if the Bills don't win this game? And they're mm-hmm. in a yeah. pack of teams now where so much can change over the course of the next three weeks. And I, so much so that I was I was playing with the ESPN uh, playoff machine and I got to a scenario for both both the Chargers and the Titans to where in week 18, they could either win their game and have the first seed or lose their game oh, in week 18 the- and miss the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, it is insane. I weren't mean, they just who, wasn't it the Browns they were just talking about it was the same situation? Like they could have yes. won and been number one seed, or they could have lost and been like fourth in the yes. division. Yes, yes, the whole they, AFC is insane. Right, and so I'm like, I'm sitting here looking at the whole picture. Who do you have the most confidence in right now in the AFC? If you were to pick a team to go on a Super Bowl Super Bowl run, yeah, I mean, I have to say the Chiefs, don't I? I feel mm-hmm. like that's. That's kind of the place to be. I would have said the Patriots had I not been Mac Jones completed like 58% of his passes last game. Like they did not look good against the Colts. And that, that I mean, it could have been COVID people out with COVID. Cause I don't think Damien Harris played right. Or Damien mm-hmm. Harris played. Right. Um, yep. Yeah. So other, but other than that, I would have said the Patriots I, I, probably at the start of the season, I would have said, well, the bills, the bills and the Patriots, well, I didn't say the Patriots, the bills and the chiefs are probably top of the AFC for me. And now it's just, I don't know. The chiefs are kind of, they're coming, they're, they're coming up when they have to, I guess. And it's Pat Mahomes, you know, is always going to do that, but I don't know. It's just so up in the air right now. It's a lot of, it's going to come down to this game. I mean, that's why it's a huge matchup, obviously, but yeah, I'd probably say the chiefs. Sorry. No, <laughs> <laughs> no nothing wrong with that. Uh, hypo- hypothetically, I'd like to know your stance on this too. It's, it's been a discussion that I've talked about and Matt and I have talked about. Would it almost be maybe a blessing in disguise for the Bills to be a wild card team this year? Because then they'd go on the road and they wouldn't have to worry about the cold, the wind, the the snow. This isn't the 90s Bills with Thurman Thomas and, and the guys that you could just hand the ball off to over and over again. Would it almost be a good thing for them to go and play in a warmer climate or somewhere where the elements aren't necessarily going to hurt them the way they're built? I, absolutely. I think, so. I mean, we talk about, you know, the home field advantage and, and the fans come back this year and how difficult it is to play, but the bills have a system. I think if they can, if they can perform better in warmer weather than dealing with what we've been dealing or what you guys have been dealing in Buffalo. Absolutely. I mean, who wouldn't want to, you know, take it, <laughs> take it to a warmer climate, whether, wherever it is, you know, whoever they end up playing. But I think that would definitely be, I think that would definitely be a better option. Yeah, looking at looking at this AFC, I I agree with you completely on Kansas City. I I feel like people, you know, were jumping off of that wagon way too quickly. They still have so many pieces, you know, still in place and the defense, that's where that's what's always been the difference maker for Kansas City is they they hit mm-hmm. you with that great offense, but they could also get after the passer and I think that's one of the areas where the Bills struggle. And it's something that I think, you know, we were talking about to Jordan Poyer today about the national narrative on the bills. And yesterday he said on the Pat McAfee show that it pisses him off that, you know, the national talk is that they can't stop the run, that they're, you know, soft. That's even been thrown around. He was one of the best defenses in the NFL. Like you're right. You're right. Statistically it is. It's because of one game, one game. Well, maybe couple, couple, but the yeah, dad, yeah, yeah. I'll leave, I couple games, dad. couple games. Um, <laughs> the Patriots game, the Colts game was obviously uh, not a great one, but this is the t- kind of game, right? Against the Patriots where, you know, I think I saw, Ryan, I think I saw a geographical graph that's going to literally the entire country is yeah. getting the Patriots game almost. 
Yeah, th- this really? is going to be a game where the national media is all, you know, not national media, but the national audience that they're going to be watching this game. So when you look at those, the start time of this matchup, it's the premier game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it's not a huge surprise, uh, but a chance for the Bills and, and the defense that's ticked off right now to change that narrative. People, that's what I've noticed in the NFL this year. The narrative, and I noticed this too, because when I do my videos, it's all about the narrative, right? Like, what's the, what do people think about that team right now? And it constantly, I mean, look at the, look at the Bucks this last game. Okay. Tom Brady is went from being MVP to people think he is like a fraud. Tom Brady, I can't get over it. And it's all because of that one quick, like, oh no, he, oh, he threw the, he threw three interceptions in one game. He's done. He's over. It's over. That's just crazy to me. So yeah, I, I'm so excited to see the bills on that national level and see what people I'm going to be totally on Twitter on Bill's Twitter and see what people have to say about bills after that. It'll be interesting. <laughs> I want to also take it back before I let you get out of here. I want to take it back to your Sunday because what's the set situation? Cause during COVID when I was covering the games at home, I had like the TV screen. Sometimes I even had an extra TV and an iPad or a computer. Do you, <laughs> do you have multiple screen situation going on? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, well I have, um, I, I live in an apartment, so I have red zone on my main TV and then I have a computer usually with whatever game I want to really watch what game I guess I'm going to focus on the most. Um, and then I'll have like another, my work laptop for notes or whatever, but that's usually the setup. Um, I've, I've thought about buying a second TV. My friends think that's a little, that might be a little over the top, <laughs> but you can never have enough coverage, right? That's, that's what I think. So exactly. We'll I feel we'll like that. anybody that's like covering the NFL for a living or yeah. like around professional sports, you know, a couple can we TVs. write that off? Can we write yeah. off a TV? <laughs> there you go. There you go. We'll get to find that out for you. It's work related. <laughs> Annie, this was so awesome. Thank you for taking some time tonight to come on the show, talk a little bit about what you do. Um, let everybody know where they can find you and kind of a cadence to your content because I know a lot of people now after seeing that are going to, it's going to be appointment viewing. Oh, good. Well, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I post, I'll post my videos everywhere. Twitter is at Annie Agar, Instagram and TikTok are Annie Agar 5. Um, and I post videos every Tuesday. I did it Wednesday this week because of all the delayed games. That was fun. Um, but yeah, every Tuesday I'll be posting them and I'll do, you know, I'll try and tweet during games and everything too. So yeah, we'll just have some fun, have some fun awesome. and make fun of all the NFL teams. <laughs> <laughs> well, there Not you the go. bills though. Not the bills now. I, now <laughs> yeah. I have a personal connection with them. So <laughs> bills fans are hoping that it's uh it's a lot of other teams getting a lot of uh, funny <laughs> yes. videos. Um, Perfect. Have a great Christmas. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you so much, you guys. You too. Merry Christmas. Thanks. Take care. All right. Annie Agar, thank you so much. That was so awesome. Uh, we got some more business here to get get into, Ryan. It's picks, it's picks time. Bills versus Patriots. Sunday at 1 p.m. in Foxborough. I'm flying out late Christmas night. I'm going to get down there, you know, cover a football game. Well, how do you see this thing going? Give it to me. I've got the Bills winning this one. I think the defense is going to be swarming Mac Jones. I think that they've learned that sometimes sending that extra pressure can uh, benefit this defense. And I think they're going to force him into one or two turnovers in that game. And Matt, you pointed it out when he, when he has a turnover, they generally uh, lose or throws an interception. I think that's going to happen. I have the Bills winning this one 27, 17. Very nice. I really like the Bills in this spot. I really like the Bills in this spot. I like the, I like the mentality that I've seen. Since that game, you know, everybody made so much about Sean McDermott's comments about Bill Belichick and, you know, that just, you know, obviously the whole embarrassing question that, you know, took off on social media with Micah and Jordan. And I think that, you know, this team is one that has found a renewed 
focus and a renewed kind of energy, something that I hadn't seen since last year around, you know, that Arizona Cardinals game. And there's just so many things to like about this matchup for the Bills. Can the Patriots run the ball? Sure. But if you're the Bills, you have to be aggressive on offense. You got to look to score points early. I think they can do that. And once you get that, you know, that, that thing rolling downhill, I think that you're able to take a lot of advantage. One guy I'm really looking at, uh, in addition to the people that I mentioned earlier in the show, Dane Jackson. This is his kind of game where he can get up and be a physical playmaker in the run game at that second level. You know, the Bills have to play well up front. And one of the good news is Harrison Phillips has really kind of mm. found his game. I mean, I was talking to Leslie Frazier about him on Monday about the fact that, you know, he's jumping off the screen when you're watching these games back. He's looking like the guy that they were excited about back in 2019 before the injury when he was starting to look like maybe the, you know, he was starting to push Starla Tule for time. He started this last week against Carolina. Starla Tule came off, you know, the bench. And so, you know, that's good. You got a lot of things working in your favor. I think Ed Oliver tends to raise his game against New England. It's got to be a full team effort. I think that the Bills, you know, know what they have to do to go into this game and execute. And I think it's all been building to this point. And so I'm going Bills 34, New England Patriots 14 in a blowout. I think Mac Jones turns the ball over a couple of times. I think the Patriots put the ball on the ground once or twice. And I think the Bills are able to get this thing going. Expect Stephon Diggs. I'm going over 120 yards and I'm going two touchdowns in this game for Stephon Diggs. Ooh, I like the specifics involved. I, I like the confidence in, in the Bills uh, handling this team. It, we've, we've already talked about it, man. It comes down to a hot start, though. If they can get out to a, a fast uh, start, a, a touchdown lead or a two-score lead, that's going to put a lot of pressure on Mac Jones, and that's when this defense is, this defense that uh, can jump routes, that can get their hands on balls, that can strip players – that's when they're going to really then start attacking that Patriots offense. And I think that is when the snowball effect can take place. The Bills lost this last matchup against the Patriots, uh, but the weather was obviously the outcome. The Bills had multiple opportunities deep in the field and they just couldn't execute. I think with the weather being a lot different in this matchup, those, those opportunities are going to end in more points, but it's specifically more touchdowns. I mean, if Carson Wentz is even a shade above average, the 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 Colts beat them by three three scores the other game on Saturday. Yeah. I really truly believe that. I think that the way that they were running the ball, and I don't think the Bills are going to be able to you know go on the road in New England and run the ball up front and go you know blow for blow, especially if Dion and John John Feliciano aren't aren't in the game. But I I really don't think you have to in this game. I think it comes down to having the best player on the field in Josh Allen. You paid him all that money for this big time opportunity, you know, to go out and win a game. And I think that their focus, I think he's proved that he can play on the road in these big time situations with full stadiums, you know. So that's what I'm expecting. That's what I that's what I think is going to happen. We'll see how it goes, Ryan. We got a couple of days before Christmas. And let me just say, my friend, um, we do two of these a week, basically. Mm. Um, it, it's a it's a hustle. It's a grind. But I got to say, I would not want to do it with anybody else. I appreciate you. Merry Christmas to the Talbot family. And Merry Christmas to all of you out there. Happy Hanukkah, however you celebrate during this holiday season. We appreciate you, Bill's Mafia. Thank you so much. Uh, Ryan Talbot, send us out of here. Yeah, Bills Mafia, you are the best, as is the Perino family. Uh, Matt, you, you nailed it. There's no one else I would rather do this with. This is the, the best job in the world because I get to work alongside you. I uh, learned a lot from you, and I am really appreciative. So Merry Christmas to you as well. 
Yes, sir. All right. Uh, Sunday afternoon, evening, you'll catch our next episode of Shout a Buffalo Football Podcast. If you're hosting a large party this weekend or anytime, check out Topps' huge selection of party platters for delicious, effortless, and affordable, no-stress way to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe or visit topsmarkets.com slash fantasyfoodball. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. Happy holidays, everybody. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.